0: Our service this morning is going to be a little bit different and uh, you won't need your bulletin too much so (laughs) uh, because I'm going to have to revise it it's going to be necessary for me to make a very fast run to the airport in just a few minutes I shall be leaving for a very long and strenuous journey to India I will be going there to participate in an evangelistic campaign in three different cities in the southern coast of India. I go there with the approval and, uh, of our church session and with their encouragement that I accomplish God's will in this effort. Therefore, it will be necessary for me to leave early, and I want to give you the message that I have for you at this time, after which uh. uh I will announce the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. After that hymn has been sung, Mr. Stubbs will announce the offering and he will conclude the service. Let me read you first some verses from Scripture. The Scripture is the same as is in our bulletin. It's from chapter 5 of the Gospel according to Luke. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of fishes that had been taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And then in the gospel according to Matthew, the last four verses of the 28th chapter, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, who hast given thy Holy Spirit to comfort and to guide thy servants, teach us to trust his leading. Day by day, we would listen to his consolation and direction. When we open thy word of life, we would rely upon his illuminating interpretation. When the story of the character and the depths of the teachings of Jesus are far beyond us and seem unapproachable, when doubts and fears assail the mind, let us abide in quiet repose under the teaching of the indwelling Spirit, when desire for the higher life fails and hunger and thirst after righteousness are forgotten in other pursuits, may, we kindly ins- may thy kindly Spirit inspire us afresh with the order of enthusiasm which he alone can create when we have lost our bearing in the maze of life Teach us to look to the ever-present guide who brings back into the clear path all who trust him. Father, we pray that thou wilt add thy blessing to our congregation, to all of those who listen to the radio broadcast, to these new ones who have come to join in fellowship with us in the work of this church, To those members of our church who are sick and who have special needs, whom we commend to thy tender love and to thy healing power and care, we pray that thou wilt bless us in our efforts and undertakings, that they might really count for the advancement of thy kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I would really like to say something impressive in these few minutes that I have to speak. I have been struck by two things. Number one, in the opportunity that I have for this trip to India. It came about as a result of my friendship with Dr. Abdul Akbar Haq, whom I have known since 1958. In 1956 Dr. Billy Graham went to India and preached in vast crusades to its teeming millions. And the response response was enormous. There were people who came walking for miles and miles to hear the gospel preached there by Dr. Graham. Dr. Graham's interpreter on that occasion was a brilliant scholar, a Methodist, the dean of the Henry Martin School of Islamic Studies, and he interpreted in the language of the people, Dr. Grahams addresses. He says himself that through interpreting the message of this evangelist, that he himself was inspired and caught on fire to be an evangelist to India. And since that time, Dr. Hawk has preached all over Asia and in many places in the United States, to vast crowds of people. India is a deeply religious country. As most of you know, it has a huge population of Hindus, 400 million. It has 50 million Muslims, but only 5 million Protestant Christians and 3 million Roman Catholic Christians. And yet India is searching It's people wander from idol to idol, seeking a living faith, seeking a forgiveness of sins. And the message of the Christian gospel is needed in this strategic land. India is the largest democracy on the planet Earth. Fifteen percent of the world's population live there, and they live on only two percent of the world's land. It's interesting to those of us here in the West that over half of the population of the planet Earth lies between the cities of Bombay and Tokyo. These millions still need to be reached for Jesus Christ, and he loves them very much. Now the command of Christ, in the beginning, his first interview with these fisher folk. He had preached to a crowd. He came up to Peter and said, let me borrow your boat. He got in the boat and pushed out from the bank a little ways and the crowd was up on the hillside. And those matchless, precious words fell from the lips of Jesus as he preached to the multitudes of how they could find God and how they could know God's reign over their own personal lives. And when he had finished with his sermon, he saw some smelly, burly fishermen, Peter and Andrew, James and John, washing their nets. They had been working all night, the night before, and had fished and had not taken anything, and they were mending and fixing their nets from their futile efforts. And Jesus said to them, take your boat, And launch it out into the deep, going out where the deep water is. And Peter, who is always the spokesman, who is impetuous and impulsive, says, Lord, we fished all night. We didn't catch a single fish. We didn't catch anything. And then he looked at Jesus and he loved him and he shrugged. Well, nevertheless, if you say so, we'll do it. And so he did. And there was an enormous draft of fishes that were enclosed in the net that he had dropped. And Peter fell to his knees and said, Depart from me, O God, for I am a sinful man. He saw in Jesus a quality that was beyond this world. And then Jesus said to this group, You come after me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men Here is a command. I have found four things I want to uh, mention about following Christ and reaching the world for him. First of all, it entails a willingness to work. And it's interesting that he called these people at their work. You wouldn't think you'd be called there, maybe. But that's where Jesus called them. He called them at their work. And to follow him in an effort to reach other people requires work. Number two, it requires obedience. When he told them to come after him, it says simply that they forsook all and followed him. I have heard people sometimes give a Christian testimony in which they speak of the successful business in which they were engaged or the great athletic achievements that they had attained and how they gave up all of this to follow Jesus. Well, so what? This fisherman gave up his net and his boat and that was all he had. And a rich man's house is as dear to him as a poor I mean a poor man's house is as dear to him as a rich man's castle. And yet there is no way to grow in the Christian faith except by being willing to be available and expendable with your resources, with your brain power, with your time, and with your energy in the command of Jesus Christ. So much of the superficial, shallow Christianity that pervades the Western world must be utterly repugnant to God. We have established a comfortable pew and a comfortable relationship to him. And we have a minister to lull us in our fears and to comfort us in our losses. And yet how few of us look at the challenge of the hard things of the gospel that have to do with obedience. They forsook all and they followed him. They were tremendously honest. That's the third point. They were honest about their own unworthiness. I've always pointed out to young people who come to me and who say that the Christian faith is an unrealistic ideal, that no one could really follow Jesus. I say, look at Peter. Look at Simon Peter. Study his life. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over. Read them. And look at Peter. He saw his own unworthiness. And that's tremendous to me. He said, depart from me, Lord, I can't be yours. And yet he was just the man the Lord was looking for. The man who senses his own unworthiness and knows his own need is the one he can use the most. It is not for nothing that St. Paul refers to himself as the chief of sinners. Do you think Paul was the chief of sinners? I can say to Paul, move over, Paul. I can claim that better than you can. I'm the chief of sinners, not you, Paul. I know what you suffered for Jesus. I know what you did for him and how you live for him, and yet Paul says that he is the chief of sinners. He says, I am less than the least of all saints. How do you get less? than the least? Do you see the humility that was there when we honestly look at ourselves? We know our need. That's why you heard that brutally frank statement a moment ago. Do you recognize yourself as a sinner in the sight of God and that you justly deserve his displeasure? In our Western world, we think God owes us something. But that's not so. It's not Bible, and it's not gospel. We justly deserve his displeasure. And we are without hope except in his sovereign mercy. We don't use God. We surrender to God that he may use us. And lastly, a willingness to make whatever sacrifice it entails. They were willing to make the sacrifice, and they made it this first command that he gave them, launch out into the deep. Would you be willing to launch out into a deeper prayer life? Would you be willing to launch out into a deeper study of the Bible? Would you be willing to launch out into a deeper love of other people? Would you be willing to launch out in a deeper commitment to Jesus Christ? If you would, the barnacles of this superficial Christianity would go away, and the reality of a reigning Lord would take over. That was the command that he brought at first, when he first called them to follow him. And then a week after his resurrection from the dead, in that magnificent 28th chapter of Matthew, he speaks to the eleven on a mountaintop in Galilee. And the message that he gives to them has been the message of the church and the message that it ought to take to his heart. He has it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, this great commission. We are commissioned to do something. What are we commissioned to do? First of all, he declares his power He says that all authority, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. All authority and all power, all authority and power over your life is given unto me. Go ye therefore. There are three verbs here. Go ye therefore. Go where? Go ye therefore and make disciples in all nations, every nation. If you are one of those people who say, let those people live in their own religions, don't you claim to belong to Jesus Christ, you don't belong to him. He's not God, you're God, if that's what you believe. You obey him if he is who he claimed to be. Go ye therefore into all the nations and make disciples in every nation. That's what he told us to do. You can play with that thing that you make and call Christianity. But if you come face to face with the living Lord, you obey him. You obey him. All power is given unto him. All authority is his. And he tells us to go to all nations, everywhere, every place on the planet earth. And what are we to do? We are to baptize them into the name of Jesus. Are you ashamed of Jesus? Do you say it's all right no matter what a person believes? Then quit claiming to be a Christian. You're a Unitarian. Go join the Unitarian Church. Why do you think these earliest Christians suffered? You know why they suffered? They forbid them. They said, stop preaching in that name. And they wouldn't stop. And so they beat them. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. That's what Jesus said. If you're God, then be God and get out of the Christian church. But if he's God, let him rule and reign. And this is what he said. Go into all the world, to all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Another bird. That's why we had this baptism this morning. What's the other thing? Teaching. It's not enough just to have evangelism. Just to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ and see people respond, that's not enough. You've got to teach them, and that's why we have the church. It ought to be a teaching place where we teach. What do we teach? We teach all the things that Jesus taught us to teach in his word. We teach the Bible, which he gave his approval over the Old Testament. We teach the New Testament where his apostles and followers instruct us. This is the message. A command at first to come after him, to launch out into the deep. And a command to go into all the world and to reach all people for him. I'm going to be coming back, I hope, through the city of Edinburgh. I don't know if I can or not, but if I can, I am. I'll go to James Finn's bookstore and buy some books. I'll walk across George IV Bridge. And down below George IV Bridge is not a river, but there's a squalid slum district called the Cowgate. And years ago, two great Scottish ministers, just one at first, whose name was James Guthrie, who had left a beautiful parish and a lovely church in the Highlands and had come to Edinburgh to take up a ministry in the slums. And he was standing there on George IV Bridge looking down, looking down at this squalid, wretched Cowgate district, drunks, were screaming at one another. The old tenement houses had old hats stuck in the window panes where the lights were broken out. Children were yelling obscenities and blasphemies. And this cultured man who had been educated in Edinburgh and Paris looked down at this dreary, ugly, teeming mass of lost and leaderless humanity. And while he was thinking how miserable he was and what he had given up to come there, he felt a big firm hand on his shoulder and he turned and looked around and in back of him stood Thomas Chalmers, the greatest minister of his entire day in Edinburgh, and one of the greatest since John Knox. you know what Thomas Chalmers said? He said, it's a lovely field, isn't it? Isn't it a beautiful field? And Guthrie looked at him, and he remembered the words of Jesus, that he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, That he saw a field that was ready for harvest and no one to cut it. And Thomas Guthrie shook his head and looked back and saw that mob in a different way as people whom God loved. People whom he sent Jesus to save. People whom he commissioned his followers to reach. And that's the way I look at Asia. Let us bow in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to love Jesus more. Help us to serve him better. And now may the Lord watch between thee and me while we are absent one from the other. Amen. Vision.